This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Could Ioana be Ioana champion again? McGregor still wants Frankie Edgar. A Canadian is next up for Duho Choi, the Korean Superboy. And is this Chris Weidman's last chance at gold? Thanks to those listening online to the podcast or on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Joe is here, and Joe, yeah. you brought a guest with you today. I did, a, a special one, too. Uh, an undefeated guest. An undefeated guest, yeah. A one that's uh, been really good and, and exciting and just made a big step in his career. So, hi, Tariq. Hi, guys. So, Tariq uh, Ismail is 5-0. and You just had your most recent fight in, in Brave, and you're, uh, you're still with Brave. When are you hoping to fight again? Uh, you know what? I'm actually hoping to get on the Saudi Arabia card. That's December 27th. Uh, so for Yusuf, the matchmaker, get me on there, my friend. <laughs> Quick turnaround for you. Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, he got out of that fight perfectly. So, I mean, didn't take any big shots, and that's kind of what you want. Safety. You thinking of joining that brave openweight tournament that they've been talking about? You know, I Fight like in, a 300-pound guy? I, I'd love to. I put in my name, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, they already uh, put out the short list, their first short list, 15 fighters chosen. Uh, I know a lot of friends on there, but uh, I wasn't selected. I think they have different plans for me with brave, so... I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy told me he's not in it, even though his name's on there. So you can fill in for him. They need, they need a bantamweight now. So somebody needs to explain this to me. What's this open weight tournament? Any weight? You, can... might, you might want to keep Tariq out of it because you've got, like, Gilbert Ivels in it, like 300-pound. <laughs> oh, okay. We yeah. can low-kick him. Yeah. We'll low-kick him. <laughs> so basically it's like it's any weight. Any, any weight can enter, and they've got, like, a list of 15, and it's going to get whittled down okay. to of, four. Of the list of 15, who's under a lightweight? Is there anyone even yeah. a lightweight? Um, Cole Miller. Okay. Cole Miller's... Uh, normally a featherweight. I'm sure he'll weigh more at the tournament since you know, the weight doesn't matter. But Cole Miller stands out. Um, I'm trying to think of who else uh, was was on and, that and list. Are they concerned about fighter safety? I guess not. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the fighters. If, if you're a fighter, you probably think you can beat anybody, right? Yeah. But yeah, you put your, so you put your name in for the tournament. I put my name in there, but you know what? I do have a lot of friends in there too. You know, like you have Alex Garcia, you have uh, Ole oh, Larson. Nice. Alex yeah. Garcia is in there. He's going to be a really good fight. Uh, for anybody, but uh, even Oli Larson, you know, he was my coach on Al Batal season two, and I got a, a chance to just train out with him. He's an absolute beast. He's, he's you know, he's in his 40s, but uh, he still carries himself very well. Looks really ripped. So uh, sort of almost close, close to like how Joe looks all the time, right? Uh, so I think that'll be a great fight. There's some phenomenal prospects in there, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. But, I mean, Tariq's also fought, your last boxing fight, you fought a, a heavier guy too. Yeah. How I big did. was he? And he missed weight by, what, 15 pounds or something ridiculous? Yeah, he did. But you know what? It's definitely not like 220 mm-hmm. pounds. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert Ivo will be like 300 pounds yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. The one who should win should be the heavyweight. Here's, a, here's my should. question for you. Can a bantamweight beat a heavyweight that has training? Like, do you... In your in your opinion, in my opinion, in MMA again, the heavyweight would have to be a really like, crappy like, let's fighter. Say, let's say it was like let's say it was like Bigfoot Silva versus oh man Dominic Cruz. No, <laughs> so Cruz has we, no but shot. We have seen it in kickboxing, and if you look up K one history, there was a, a Thai fighter by the name of Cao Klai, and he fought. I think it was Mark Hunt. Yeah, in kickboxing it's happened, and even in MMA we saw no, Minowa Man. Hoist Gracie, right? Hoist yeah. Gracie. Hoist Gracie. But it was a different time. Yeah. Different era. Right? Different Everyone's era. more well-rounded now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you put Nagano in, no matter how good your jiu-jitsu and wrestling yeah. is as a featherweight, you're not taking Francis <laughs> Nagano down. Uh, yeah. You're in trouble. Yeah, you, you'll be holding yeah. onto his leg and just kind of standing there like a, like a little baby. So, yeah, I can't see it. I yeah, mean, it's hard. But we got to see, like if Bellator, you saw Ryan Bader was a, a light heavyweight, and he's dominating in the heavyweight we're division. We're talking about, I'm comparing apples to oranges here. Yeah. I mean, but a, that's a light the heavyweight biggest versus a bantamweight. You can see. That's the biggest, like, 
I don't know. No, I can't see it. Impossible. And Anthony Johnson, who fought at welterweight, might be fighting at heavyweight next, but he's also a lot bigger now yeah. <laughs> than he was a when he was a one bigger. Yeah, yeah, a lot bigger. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, a, a fighter who moved up from bantamweight in the UFC just missed weight at featherweight this morning. I found that surprising. Manny Bermudez. He was hmm. a one thirty fiver. His last fight was in California. So they said you got you're too heavy when you got here. So now we, the fight needs to be a catchweight at one forty. Now he's at 145, and he's missed weight. That's pretty surprising. Yeah. I just don't understand. Still, they're trying to implement all these percent changes and stuff. Didn't California just say that you can't be 15% now? Yeah, or they'll cancel your fight. So on fight day, um, I, want, I want to hear your opinions on this because, you know, as a fighter, when you are there on fight day, you don't want to have to focus on what your weight's going to be. So th- they say basically your fight can be canceled if you're more than 15% above your contracted uh, weight class on fight day. So you're a 35-er. So let's say you weigh 135 on Friday. On Saturday, you can't weigh more than, let me do some math here, uh, 155 pounds. Right. Honestly, I'm usually 10 pounds heavier anyways. So I'll, I'll weigh in 135. I probably won't get into fight day heavier than 146. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I prefer that, honestly. I don't like to pack on too much because you do that and then you feel a little bit, you know, uh, not, not yourself. You know, you're not as quick. You're not as agile. So I like to be fast in there, you know, and I feel like a feather like that. Yeah, well, my only, uh, my biggest issue with it is that people are going to have to worry about what they weigh on fight day. I think that, like, if you're looking up for fighter safety, why don't you implement things that you do before the weigh-in rather than after the weigh-in? Like, you know, if somebody's going to be replenishing so much that they're so big, is that really what you're looking at for fighter safety? Like, is the fighter safety in jeopardy if a guy's 10 pounds more than him on fight day? Or is, or is the fighter's safety in jeopardy if they're not cutting weight properly and they, they you know, go to a sauna and they could die? <laughs> yeah. It's all about the fluid surrounding your brain. If you dehydrate way too much, the fluid this, like, that surrounds your brain um, isn't there, so there's less cushion. So, I mean, it's not really a good strategy to cut too much weight the more we know about it. So um, I think fighters are just getting more intelligent, hopefully, uh, on how to cut properly. There's a lot of different nutrition companies and stuff out there that are helping the fighters. But... I mean, the research is there. It's the fighters got to do their work to get it. I still think now, being around the, the world class of kickboxers and MMA fighters, they don't do enough research on how to do things properly. And I think I, I always give the example, our current multiple-time welterweight world champ, Cedric Dumbay, did not know how to cut weight. I had to teach him about hot baths and Epsom salt baths. He had no idea. I was showing him pictures. He became a world champion without even understanding these types of things. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just frustrating that fighters themselves – don't always do the research and learn for themselves. Well, I'll say this about California. Is you're going to see a lot more heavyweight main events there. Because they're not going to want to, promotions are going to, aren't going to want to have their main events canceled on the day of the fight because of weight issues. Yeah. Like that's the last thing they'll want. And that's probably the last thing California would want because people aren't going to want to hold events there if key matchups are getting canceled. Like, for example, Romero versus Costa would have been canceled. Based on who? Costa. Okay. Which I think is silly. Like, you know, you can't run a promotion and... and advertise these fights and then on the day of the fight you know they because a guy doesn't make weight a second time <laughs> you're yeah. gonna cancel the fight but i think what the ufc performance institute does well because i went there with chad lapree and they took a body composition so once you understand on a body and they do that whole dexa scan you can see how much muscle fat and water someone is holding and based on their weight so from that calculation you'll know more how much fat we can take away from the athlete to see i mean if you look at costa he's probably all muscle even at that weight so eventually they're going to end up forcing him up to have to he's going to have to uh, Tariq, what what's your long term goal like uh, you're you're in brave now um where do you see yourself ideally in like 2 years uh i'd like to stay with brave you know 
I like Brave so far. Uh, you know, I have a multiple fight contract with them. Uh, I'm in no rush uh, to move organizations or get into, you know, the UFC or Bellator or any of them. I really don't. You know, my, my interest is to build my following in the MENA region. You know, I really like the Middle East, North Africa area. And uh, I want to just spread that sport over there a little bit more. I love touring the different countries and cities around there. So that's my interest. Uh, maybe the UFC when I'm 10-0, and 12-0, around then. That's refreshing to hear. So you like being in the, uh, the Middle East, I guess MENA, for those that don't know, is what, Middle East and then North, North Africa. Asia? North Africa. Yeah. So that's a region. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? Uh, I grew up in that part of the world. I spent some time there. I'd love to kind of just also uh, just bridge the gap of understanding and show, you know, that part of the world, uh, you know, is marketed in a different way. I'd love to just shed light on how it truly is. It's a very welcoming place, very lovely place. Uh, and it's filled with uh, diverse people. So uh, I want to show that part of the world, and I also want to show that I am a representative of a Western world in Toronto, Canada, and, uh, you know, we carry ourselves very respectfully. We're educated people as well, and uh, just bridging that gap. And Brave is owned, I think, by the, is it the head of Bahrain? Am I, do he, I have that right? Yeah, he's okay. the Prince of Bahrain. Mm, the Prince of Bahrain, yeah. yeah. So what, what made the Prince of Bahrain take an interest in MMA? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. Uh, I can't speak for him, but uh, I know that uh, he supports that region with a phenomenal show, and uh, I'm really honored to just be a part of such a fantastic show. So when you're on a Brave card, where can people watch it here? Is it on Fight Pass? Uh, it's on something called Fight. Oh, Fight TV? Fight TV. F-I-T-E dot TV. Yeah, they do a lot of on-demand stuff. Yeah, and then there's like uh, local channels there in the in the MENA region that are showcasing it, like Abu Dhabi Sports and some of the other uh, local channels. So it gets around to a few million. That's cool. And you had a pretty publicized, I guess, falling out with TKO. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, have you patched things up since then, or have you just moved on to something new? Who's TKO? Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that answers the question. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like you're really happy and brave. They're treating you well. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy to see that. You've been training with Joe for, what, about two years? Yeah. You know what? Uh, I've been training with Joe for a few years now, and uh, you know I've always known of Joe and uh, the Bazooka Squad, and uh, I'm happy to be there. I uh, obviously I'm really uh, excited to be a part of that team, and I also train with some other coaches as well that are part of Team Desert Storm, uh, with Coach Almaz and Coach Ainsley Robinson as well. So Coach Desert Storm or Team Desert Storm is your team basically because you're that's your nickname. Exactly. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's great. And uh, Tariq's low kicks have been uh, looking great in this fight. Yeah, so it actually, I you know, that to you. And it's his uh, <laughs> southpaw left kick has been his, one of his best strikes, which has been crazy. So, I mean, like, his, uh, I always say with Tariq, his best thing is he can change so easily. Like, if you have to go orthodox and fight, that's fine. He can box and kickbox from an orthodox. Then he can switch stances and give you a totally different look. So I think his ring IQ at such a small point in his MMA career is way beyond a lot of guys that we're going to match with. All right, so. well, I, I look forward to seeing you continue to grow. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, buddy. So this past weekend, Joanna Janjacek is back in the win column, looked better than ever. I mean, her output was phenomenal. Yeah. And Michelle Watterson, if it, that's a stand-up fight, she almost would never win that fight. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, she just got outclassed. I mean, you really saw the difference. Um, I just think with Watterson, like, she still can never just, she's going to be always that top name, but just doesn't have that last gear to kind of do, you know, that little bit extra to kind of win. I mean, 
it's just, just I don't know she's incredible and she's done so much. I just think Ioana's um, just a different level striker and that confidence she has in her striking. I mean, just showed. It, in women's MMA, we haven't had a champion that's lost the belt and that's come back to, into the championship mix for the most part. I mean, Holly Holm sort of had because she went she, she fought for a different title in a different weight class. But um, I think Ioana has the potential to come back and be that person that does that, that yeah. kind of has a bit of a slump and then has the like mental fortitude to be able to come back seems, and, and do that. She seems like, what do they always call her, the boogie woman? Yeah. Like, she's got that look in her eyes. She's got that killer instinct. She's hungry. She's motivated. I think she can, and especially now, we don't really know what the future of Rose is either. So, I mean, I think, you know, regardless, I think she's back and looks good. Absolutely. And uh, the leg kicks were on point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. I, I know you always like that. Yeah. I <laughs> it's always everything is like, oh, what? Joe's going to say more low kicks. I'm like, yeah, I am going to say that because they're landing. But so it's, let's it's, get them. Uh, here's the thing. I'll tell, somebody, I'll tell everybody something about Joe. It's, it's truly his signature. You know, he truly is exceptional in it. You know, you go left, you get, you get smacked with a right kick. You go right, you get smacked with a body kick. You go back, the double jab, and then he's smacked with a leg kick. You come forward, he changes angle, and you get smacked with something. It's, he has a system. And a lot of fighters, they don't have a system. And that's what makes our school a little bit different, you know, is that we have a system and we trap people into that web. You know, a lot of times people talk about, oh, you know what? The, 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 the fight, uh, there's, there's not action or there's not whatever the case may be. I'm trapping you into the web. I'm making you move a certain way. And that all comes from a philosophy, from a system. Nowadays, you know, people are slowly getting accustomed. They see Dominic Cruz maybe have some good footwork or, or you know, whatever the case may be. You know, I think Dominic Cruz is a great dancer, you know, uh, p- possibly. You know, but in terms of putting things together, you know, uh, with his footwork, his footwork's really, really behind. Uh, I think he needs to, you know, get a little bit of a, a reality check with all due respect. You know, it's, it's, it's not, you look at someone like Lomachenko, someone like Rigandau, okay, now you're talking footwork, okay? But uh, there's levels to this, and, you know, it's nice to be humble. It's important to be humble in this game, but it's also important to be very real with the fans. You know, I feel it's my duty sometimes to shed light on certain things because, uh, you know, I want them to have an example of what is true excellence, you know? And I surround myself with true excellence in their respective fields. That's why I always push for technical excellence in every single match that I have. Very rare do you see me lose a round. And that's the, the philosophy that I go with. So, you know, that's, that's my opinion on, on certain things. But, uh, again, back to Joe, man. The reason why I have him around and, uh, you know, the reason why I'm honored to be a student there is honestly because of the fact that he truly is phenomenal what he does. So who do you think does have the best footwork in MMA if it's not Dominic Cruz? Uh, or do you think it's just not, hasn't been perfected by anybody yet? It I hasn't been... Yeah, I don't think there was a, there, there's been a star that has, you know, like when Lomachenko hit the boxing world, the pro, the pro world, people were like, oh, my God. He truly took us to a next level. When Anderson Silva came out, everybody was like, oh, my God, we're in the Matrix. You know what I'm saying? When Mike Tyson hit the stage, people were scared. That was the real boogeyman. You know? There's certain people, Raymond Deckers. People, people understand. Ernesto Hust. You know? You will understand. Bazooka Joe. Okay? You will understand that there are certain people that have had that impact. In MMA, there's people that are really, really exceptional at what they do. But in terms of footwork, I haven't seen anybody that is exceptional at that level yet. You know, Mighty Mouse was close. You know, he had good footwork, moved around a little bit, but not, not an aggressive moving around. I want somebody that's going to show me that they can fight moving forward, moving backward, southpaw, orthodox, switching stances, Sideways, making it seem everywhere. everything. Yeah. It's seamless. You know, show me seamless. See, I think too, like fo- the, 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 we're on footwork. 
Footwork also means power. If you can't generate good power, your footwork is off. I don't think footwork always has to be moving, angling, stepping, shuffling, angling. But if I can control my center line, stepping at power in my technique, just stay slightly out of range, those little subtleties is good footwork. Yeah. I mean, people over-focus on, like, when Dominic Cruz is doing this stuff, like Tariq says, it's almost like dancing, where it's like it's more of a distraction footwork than footwork for power. It's it's more for angles, but there's more to it than just one style of footwork. Do you think the takedowns are something that can interrupt that system, though? I mean, that's the big difference in MMA. You know, a lot of the people Huge. you named are boxing, kickboxing, but when, when grappling comes into it, you're fighting like an elite grappler. You know, no matter where you're throwing the kicks or, or how much footwork you have, there's always that threat. Huge. And you yeah. don't see it often enough with fighters, you know, just even attempting to, you know, just even signal towards uh, grabbing a knee or grabbing a leg and then coming upstairs with a, with, a, with a strike. You know, that really confuses people, that changing of levels. And not a lot of people just change levels for the fake. They change levels to actually shoot or change levels to actually hit the body or whatever the case may be. But just changing levels with fakes, letting your opponent understand that you're never safe, you're always thinking, you're behind, you're lagging. It's a chess match with a time. And I'm a lot quicker on that timer than you are. You have to think. You're nervous. That's what I want you to feel in there. I thought Joanna did that pretty well, actually, this past weekend. She was, she was going low. She was going body. She was going head. And it was like she was really it controlling um, it in a, in a manner where her opponent just didn't know what was coming next. Yeah. And sometimes when you're fighting at that kind of pace, like her, her output is unbelievable. Yeah. I think she, had, she landed 180 significant strikes over five rounds. Like, that's a pretty solid pace. If you, I guess, mathematically, what would that be? So a 25-minute fight. Is three hundred times five, so about fifteen hundred. So that means she's landing like one, one or more significant strikes. What every ten seconds or so? Like, yeah. that's a lot. If you go over yeah. a thousand strikes in a match, I think that's a lot. You know, and that's really what you should be pushing. And most of the people that tend to go over a thousand or a lot more in terms of you know output than the other fighter is the person that's winning, because you're technically controlling the fight. You're putting out the pressure. Yeah, right? you know, if you look at uh, like tap or uh, fight metric and you look at the breakdowns after the fact. It's rare that you'll see somebody win a decision that has less output. Yeah. Like output yeah. is, is, is very key. Huge. But I think it's damage, right? I think that's where you have to look at scoring. And, I mean, I've been now seeing so many fights. If someone hits you with 1,000 jabs, but I hit you with 10 right hands that almost stumbled you every time, I split you open, in my mind, those 10 big shots are going to score more than you know, the 100 jabs that kind of just glance me, hit me, scrape me. But when I hit you and you get bambi-legged or you kind of get rocked or you get flash-knocked, to me that scores more significantly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's like the Wilder-Fury fight, right? Fury was jumping around and, and tapping him with a lot more shots than Wilder hit him with. But when Wilder hit him, yeah. you saw what happened to Fury a few times. Right? Yeah, people so. I, I scored that fight a draw, and people called me an idiot. They're like, oh, Fury won that fight for sure. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, there's no idiot in that decision. It's, it's funny. Whenever either boxing judges have no clue what they're doing or I know boxing because whenever I judge a boxing fight, even though I barely watch boxing, my result is always on like it's always the same as what the judges are and everybody's yeah. always complaining about the judges. So I don't, I don't know what the deal with that is. It was a very close fight. Oh, I agree. Yeah. 100%. Especially when you have to score it with boxing rules or, or mixed martial arts rules, a 10-9 round or a, t- a score system on every single round versus weighing the entire fight. I, yeah. hate, I hate the 10-9 system. Do you agree? Like in, in MMA, in three rounds, I feel like the 10-9 system makes no sense. I think, you know what? If we were to fight where you would judge the full fight, a lot of the fight's strategy would change. You know what I'm saying? Because right now, 
you have to still keep in mind that there is a group out there that's judging you, you know, and you want to maintain your winning. You want to get that win bonus. You want to continue to have a winning record and stay undefeated or whatever the case may be. So it's in the back of your mind that, you know, there are people out there judging you. You have to win every single round independently, right? But if it was a full fight, I would take a, I mean, personally me, I would be a little bit more riskier with my fighting style because I know if I hit you with a few shots that damage you extremely, you know, the fight is going towards my, my, my advantage as opposed to you've already won two rounds and now I'm down to the third. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think it would, the, the fight style itself would change for a lot of fighters, but um, I don't really mind the 10-9 system. You know, my, my job is truly to showcase the difference between a student and a teacher. And every time my job going in there is I want to make sure that my opponent looks like the student and I look like the teacher. Mm-hmm. So if it's a 10-9 system or if it's a full fight, I welcome both ways. But when I watched your TKO fight, um, even though you don't you deny its existence of the uh, the organization, <laughs> but when I watched that fight, um, I could tell after the first round that the guy was done. Like you, you could just tell that what you were doing was like completely flummoxing. Uh, Which fight was that? How many did you have in TKO? Who's TKO? <laughs> well, whatever, whatever that fight was, the one that I might, might or might not have watched, whether or not it exists. But uh, it was one of the fights. Yeah. I think you only had one in TKO, didn't you? I think I had a couple. Did you? I had a couple. I fought Johnny Baldridge and I fought Manny, Manny Alfaro. Two, I think. Yeah. Whatever the most recent one was, that was the one that uh, uh, yeah, I believe you won 30-27. Okay. And um, it just looked like he didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like once, once you started to corner him and trap him, like you said, get him to the web. Yeah. It seemed like he just his coaches didn't really have an answer. They were like, "Oh, Jay, get him! You know, you gotta you gotta knock this guy out." You yeah. know, Listen, the kind of advice that doesn't really do much for anybody. Exactly. I'll tell you something. You know, my nickname's Desert Storm for a reason. You know, I show up, I bring the storm, and by the time I leave you, you're confused. You don't know what just happened. You're looking at your coaches, and you got a lot of homework to take care of. Okay, that's Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, uh, like you said, Joe's philosophies really help in that Absolutely. regard. Absolutely. That's why you know he's one of the best coaches worldwide. So, um. Brave is uh, like you said, coming back to Saudi Arabia. I guess. Yeah, you know they at got the end of the year. They got a lot of shows, man. They, these guys put out a lot of shows on a yearly basis. I mean, they had Abu Dhabi. They're out in um, Europe right now with one one show. Then they're going off to India. Then they're off to Bahrain. Then they're off to South Africa, and then they're off to Saudi Arabia by the end of the year. Wow! Right, all that. So. Um, you know, I've been offered for South Africa and Saudi Arabia. I mean, not offered a fight, but, uh, you know, asked where I want to go with my next fight. And, you know, I would love to go to Saudi Arabia. It's, uh, it's just, you know, my kind of place. And I want to build my following uh, in that part of the region, in the MENA region. And it falls, uh, you know, under that region. Big following. I got a lot of support there already. So I want to go there. And, uh, you know, maybe next year if South Africa presents itself, why not? Why don't we see a lot of fighters come out of the Middle East? It's still new. It's still new as a sport there, and um, I don't know. I, that's a really good question. Yeah, like I, I, I think you see a lot more in Brave. Like you see a lot more fighters that are from that region. I know that there have been a couple from uh, Israel and Bellator, mm-hmm. and one, one or two in the UFC. Yeah, but you don't see anybody come from like Jordan or Syria, for example, that, yeah. or Lebanon. There's not. I mean, the only guy I can think of is that Moroccan guy. Azaitar? Yes. Two of them. Yes. Adam and and, uh, Abu Azaitar. Yeah, Yeah. they're both from Morocco. Morocco. Those are the Mm -hmm. only real, like, uh, besides that, like you say, the Israeli guy that's in there. There's some Palestinian Americans also. There's John McDessie. Yeah. John McDessie, he's Lebanese. 
Right, John yeah. McDessie's Lebanese. Right. Um, you've got um, Ayman Zahabi. Ayman Zahabi, he's also uh, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. You got Bilal Muhammad is Palestinian. Uh, yeah. Ramsey Nijam's Palestinian. Yeah. Uh, they're Palestinian Americans, yeah. but whatever. I mean, it's yeah. still the origin. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to me because, um, like, for Brave to operate in all of these different countries, you've got to imagine that people in those countries are watching it and learning it. Yeah, absolutely. But and isn't traditional martial arts very popular out there? Yeah, well, like you know, Taekwondo is very good, like popular, and wrestling in Iran is gigantic. Yeah, yeah. and you know what? In uh, Abu Dhabi and the United Arab Emirates, um, I know one of the sheikhs out there, Sheikh Khalifa, I think, or Sheikh Hamdan. But uh, what he did was he made jujitsu a part of their uh, curriculum, their PE curriculum in all the schools, oh, wow. all the you know public schools. So from elementary, you're learning jujitsu as your PE. Like that, that is wonderful. I think that started maybe five or eight years ago within that, that time frame. So definitely people are getting a lot more trained in it. They understand it. And there's a lot of just like, you know, people love fighting in that part of the world. I mean, they grew up, uh, you know, in war or whatever the case may be. So they love to watch a fight, a good scrap. And they take it very prideful there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like nationals. I'm like, I'm from this country. You know, I'm going to represent my country. And you got all the fans with the flags and things. So it was very cool to kind of see that because my opponent was Jordanian. And there was a lot of Jordanian fans in Abu Dhabi. And, you know, in the middle of the fight, I would think they would mm-hmm. be calling my name, and then I was like, "No, it sounds no. more like his name." You know, <laughs> was his name similar to yours? No, but it's just like you know, the initial crowd when they first start, you just kind of like it's a little blurry in sound, and then just like the sound kicks in, and it's like his name gets kicked. You know, so I'm like, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to teach you guys a lesson." And a lot of these fights outdoors, like is it really hot? Uh no, actually, you know, the arena was normal. You know, uh, it was really hot and humid outside, and just in general in Abu Dhabi. But we got accustomed to it. I had a great coach with me out there, Coach Almaz, and he took care of my whole weight cut and just my, uh, me getting uh, you know, ready uh, for the fight in preparation with the jet lag and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it was, it was easy, man. It was really easy. Who do you think is the best bantamweight in the world right now? I mean, excluding yourself. Obviously, every fighter thinks they're the best in the world. But um, just in terms of bantamweights in the world right now, because the bantamweight division right now in the UFC is all over the place. Yeah. You know, you, look, you've you, you got to have Henry Sohudo's up there for sure. Uh, he's not, I guess, like technically a, a real bantamweight. You take Dillashaw out of the conversation because of the. Yeah, he's a juice monkey. You okay. know, to hell with that guy. He's a juice monkey. Uh, I'll be honest. Listen, look, I got all. I had all respect for the guy, but you know, once you get popped with stuff like that, I mean, it's an honorable sport, man. You know, why would you go about it that way? I get it. Money's involved and all types of things, and people want to feed their families and pay bills, but that's listen. You're risking people's lives. The other day, somebody died in boxing or whatever saw, the yeah. case may be. You know, yep. listen, people are dying. Okay, when another man hits you with an enhanced arm or an enhanced leg to the face and knee and elbow, people are dying. That's not cool, man, for whatever reason it may be. So I would put Henry Cejudo up there. I put Mighty Mouse up there. I put Bibiano Fernandez up there. You know, uh, I don't know. I think those, those, those stand out. I put even uh, Cody, Cody Garbrandt. You know, I think he, with, the, with the proper tuning and, and, and training, you know, especially if he comes out to say bazooka kickboxing. He's, he's switching camps, actually. He's going to Mark Henry. There's Mark Henry. Yeah, you know, yeah. when he tries Mark Henry and he wants to come, you know, out to bazooka kickboxing, you know, <laughs> hit us up. I and, uh, that's who I always wanted Tariq to fight. I said, you, we can showcase really well against him. Against Cody Garbrandt, yeah. It's perfect because he's a one power puncher. I mean, we know our distance better and we can kick fight Will. I said that would be the perfect fight I'd like to see Tariq in now, with Cody Garbrandt. Bantamweight has a lot of really well-rounded fighters. Yeah. Like, when you look at the UFC, you, you, there aren't people that are like, that guy's a puncher, that guy's a wrestler. You know, even Cejudo's striking has gotten a lot better over the years. Hell yeah. So uh, it's just interesting to see. I think the lighter weight classes, you know, everybody keeps everybody more honest yeah. because everybody's so well-rounded now. Yeah, they can Absolutely. wrestle well. They have that, you know, unlimited conditioning. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that- at, at heavyweight, for example, like Greg Hardy's fighting this weekend, and or actually it's tomorrow night, I guess. But somebody asked me, like, um, it was on my TSN segment, like, how far can he go in the sport? A guy that doesn't have a whole lot of combat sports experience. And I said. An athlete like that at heavyweight that can hit with that kind of yep. power, like he could be top five at yep. heavyweight, in my opinion. Even though he doesn't have like the, the grappling chops that a lot of people would have, is just at heavyweight specifically. Like if there was a guy that was uh, a cornerback in the NFL that moved down to one thirty five, he'd be screwed. Mm. Like if he, if he was out of the NFL and then started his MMA career at like thirty, thirty one, thirty two. Like, there's just way too much information to catch up on in order to be that good. Yeah. At heavyweight, it's a different story. Yeah, it is because power and you get that hitting, that explosiveness. I mean, I always said a football player transformed into an MMA fighter is probably one of the most dangerous athletes you'll find. And he was an all-pro. Like, he was explosive. Like, football's all about explosion. Get off that line as fast as you can. Sprint. Sprint and relax. And if you can teach that little bit of conditioning, the the shooting, you know, that heavy weight on top, they're used to slamming into, you know, 300-pound men and taking them down and, you know, what do they call them? Pancaking men. And it's like those you know, could be the truly best athletes we have worldwide in all of our sports is a football, either running back could be a dangerous fighter, you know, a linesman. That's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. they're just big, strong, and athletic. That's what you want. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I just think, I think this guy's the limit with him. I guess we'll have to see. I think once he starts fighting the guys that have a bit higher fight IQ, he'll still be able to knock them out, yeah. <laughs> but it might be a little bit harder. But, like, especially those grinders, you know, like the Curtis Blades and stuff. That's going to be tough. That's a different level because those guys, once they take you to the ground, it's it's a different level. But we there. also saw him against Nganu. And in the rematch, people said the same thing. He's going to take Nganu down. We saw what happened against Stipe. And then all it takes yeah. is one at heavyweight, yeah. right? Like, you'd have to imagine that Hardy's explosion is probably as close to a Francis Nganu in terms of just the sheer power he yeah. can put behind a punch. But yeah. some people just have that natural punching power that Francis, like, you can't teach that all the time athletically. It's just something naturally you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just some people are born to be knockout punchers. Some, no matter how much you train, they, they can just never have that ability. Like, I mean, you look at Mike Tyson at 16, 17 years old. He was knocking men out. Even at 14 years old, he was knocking out. That's just natural punching abilities where you can teach someone and they just don't have it all the time. And Francis is still relatively new to MMA when you think yeah. about how long he's been doing That's like, scary, all man. around. I know. It's great. I really want to see him in uh, Rumble. I feel for him, though. I I, like it doesn't that. look like there's a whole lot of opportunities for him. I mean, Rumble could be one. Um, but when you when you look at what's happening at heavyweight right now with the rematch with Stipe and uh, Cormier, and it seems like he wants him. he wants to get back. Like he wants to go, but he also knows that from a business standpoint, it makes a lot more sense to just sit and wait. Mm. Yeah. So I'm I I heard him on the uh, UFC Unfiltered show, and he just sounds like he's angry that he just has nothing. He's like twiddling his thumbs, waiting for something to happen, and who knows when that's going to happen. Yeah, he's a. Uh, once he gets his things together, and hopefully he's continuing to work his wrestling at that time, like I don't think there'll be a man that'll beat him. Mm-hmm. I honestly, genuinely believe that. I think he can sit at the top of the heavyweight division for some time. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. But he's still not as young as people think he is. Like People think he's this prospect. I think he's like 33. Yeah. But at heavyweight, that doesn't really matter all that much, right? That's I mean, crazy. Yeah. You're younger than me. He looks like uh, 10 <laughs> years older than me. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> I need some facial hair. I got to yeah, get something should, going. You should hang out with him so people think that you're like the young guy on the block. That's it. Man. <laughs> I look at these guys. I'm like, how, does he, how is he at that age? Like, how is he younger than me? I was like, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm getting old. And, there, and then you see the people that have been around forever, like Jose Aldo's younger than you. Yeah, and it's you crazy. Know, like, what the heck? He's not ever. aging. How old is Aldo? He's probably 34. He's 32. Probably? Wow. He's younger than Francis. That's insane. I think, let me, let me look up how old he is. He's 33. He just turned 33. So yeah. he's 32, whatever. Like Still younger. Three weeks ago, or whatever. Yeah, he's, insane. he's younger than you, yeah. 
That's insane. Now that's a guy that was entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah. Aldo. Aldo back at like he was one of the first guys to really use the leg kick to his advantage. Like if you go back to the WCG, then he stopped. Then he stopped. Then he stopped. I wish he'd successful bring it back. Weapon stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that flummoxing? Yeah. Like when you think about that, he just. That's what he was destroying everybody with, and then yeah. he just stopped using it. Yeah. He was crushing everybody with it. His Uriah Faber fight <laughs> and seeing the leg clinic. after was classic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a clinic. And then all of a sudden, he only started boxing, and then he started losing, and then yeah. he still focused on his boxing. Like He went too hands-focused for a good power low kicker. He was like a professional soccer player, too. Use mm-hmm. those explosive kicks. And then once he brought happened. them back near in his more recent fights, he looked good again. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a man that needs to kick. He wants to move yeah. down to 35. All right, good luck with that. He's barely, too big barely now. makes 45. He's too big now. Yeah. Whatever happened to Henan Barrow? Is he done? He's fighting again. They, really? uh, they just announced him. Uh, trying to rem- remember who he's He's another big Brazilian who had a tough time cutting weight. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Was he featherweight or? He was, he was at yeah. bantamweight. And then he moved up to featherweight. This next one's at featherweight, too. Uh, against uh, Douglas da Silva and Andrade. End of the year. He's on a four-fight losing streak right now. Yeah. So. You know who I like is Charles uh, Olivier. Oh, he's my he's my favorite fighter to watch. In that guy's exciting. He's a, he's awesome. Oh yeah, he's a finisher. Yeah. He's a finisher. Lots of submissions, and Just he can submit you. And, and his striking's phenomenal. Beautiful, too. beautiful. What is he? The what's his weight? The problem is when he when when it gets tough and he gets into deep waters, he has a lot of problems surviving. Yeah. That's like the one thing that has held him back. What were you asking? Tariq? I was just what, what, what weight is it? Is he's he's a, a 55er. He oh, still wants to go back to 45 again, but he did at, well at 45. He did, but he had trouble making the weight. Mm. But at 55, he's doing really well too. Mm. I think his speed is actually a big, um, a big advantage. advantage for him. Yeah, I liked fighting at a heavier weight, honestly, because they're, they're a lot slower, and you know if you can't connect, your power really doesn't make a difference. You know, so fighting at a heavier weight might be something as I creep up on Joe's age, I might uh, go up one weight class or so. (laughs) I was going to say, what's stopping you? (laughs) I can still make 135 right now pretty easy. Like my last one, honestly, in the sauna, maybe three pounds Mm -hmm. to make 135. So that's why you continue Tariq likes to eat, though. You like to eat outside. I love to eat. I love to eat outside camp. Do you just have a good metabolism? Uh, Not really. I hold (laughs) a lot, man. I hold a lot Like when it comes to salt and things like that. I drink a lot of water, too, but I don't know. Just my body's made that way. I always have this, like... You know, a little bit of a, a beer belly, so you call it, but it's not full of beer. But you should have seen him when he first started fighting. You were fighting at what, 160, 170? Yeah, like a little bit, yeah. When like, you were, did that Muay Thai fight in Thailand. That was, yeah, maybe like 160, 155, 160. Yeah, you were thick. Yeah. Yeah, so he was a bigger boy. So I guess, I think when you were bigger and then you cut down, you just have that ability to bloat more. I'm a bloater, too. I I look at pizza, and I put on five pounds of water. That's how yeah. ridiculous it is That's for me. What it well, is. You have Lamanas too. Right? Yeah. It's a family business. Damn, once you eat and mom's food all the time, <laughs> doesn't help. But you know what? When I was in Thailand, that was I was on vacation. So literally, I took these the, the, that title fight on a vacation, and I still won. I, 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 took, I fought four times in three weeks. You know, to get that title. So, you know, I've been, I've been honestly, before even joining Brave, I've been asking Glory, hey, listen, you know, put me in there. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, you know, to, to fight some of your Glory fighters <laughs> as well. You You'd know, do great. Too. I'd, I'd love to. Maybe I'd even, well, I don't know, I think their lo- lowest weight category is 140, is it, or 142? 145. 143. 143. 143. You know, I, I feel comfortable at 143. I'd love to get in there and scrap as well. Uh, and, you know, with Brave, I think I'm only limited to the Middle East and MMA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I am a pro boxer, I am a pro kickboxer, but I would love to get into Glory just for the heck of it, you know? Are you exclusive to Brave? Like, could you go to Glory if they offered you a fight? I think I could. I okay. think I could. I have to talk to my manager, Daniel Rubenstein, but, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'd love to just fight in Glory. Even, you know, 
pro boxing too again, you know, but I want kickboxing. I want glory on my on my resume. How long have you been doing martial arts for? Uh, since 17. Okay. Since 17 years old. I'm 29 right now, so that's 12 years. I always wonder, like, you're, you're not a big guy. Obviously, as a bantamweight. Is yeah. there, are there people in, like, society that underestimate you? <laughs> Where you've gotten into some issues? Uh, honestly, not really, man. Like, uh, I have a very, you know, bubbly, welcoming, f- friendly energy to me. And, uh, you know, I also have a, a very sergeant-like energy to me, too, man. You, you know, you don't want to really get on that bad side of me. I keep it simple. I keep it real with people, but I'm very friendly. So just people that gravitate to me are people that are very classy, people that understand you know how to talk to humans, and uh, if you don't, I check you real quick. I feel like people can tell. Like people can tell. Like you mentioned, from someone's energy, you just know. You just know. Yeah. Like this is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and Tariq's been around him too. He's he's trained at TriStar for many years. Um, he knows the whole team really well. He's trained overseas. He's been to Thailand, so he's well traveled. I mean, I think that's what makes him so great is that he can had in confidence fighting in different things. And he just learned from so many different sources. That's, you know, that's where his IQ became so high. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, honestly, I give tribute the most to my coaches and my family. They're really my mentors. You know what I'm saying? So I spend a lot of time with these guys on a daily basis. We travel a lot. They instill a lot of their thoughts in me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm truly blessed to have the team that I do. I want to ask you about Charles Jordan because he fought uh, in an organization that you also competed in. I forget the name of it at this okay. time. Nice. Um, but he's, uh, he's, he's facing Duho Choi. Nice. Um, and uh, that's uh, a really uh, great matchup for him because he's, he's great on the feet. This is going to be contested on the feet. And I think that people have underestimated him because of his last fight. He fought at one, 155. He should be probably closer to 135 than 155. Yeah. And uh, he was fighting just a way bigger guy in his home city. Like, he didn't have much of a chance. And I thought he did okay in that fight. But I think against Duho Choi, even though it's also going to be in Duho Choi's home country of South Korea, um, I think that's just a good matchup for him. And uh, do you agree? I I definitely do. I think uh, it's a great matchup for him. He's an exciting striker, and uh, you know he's Canadian, and uh, he's just a good person. I could tell he's a good person, you know. So I wish him the best of luck there. I would just I don't know what his experience is with you know traveling overseas and competing. I know he's fought in the UFC prior. He's fought in Thailand before. He's fought in Thailand prior. So yeah, just honestly, the only thing I would say is just you know get rid of that jet lag as soon as you can. You know, because you're going to feel it. So maybe just as soon as I know for me personally with my jet lag, what I did is as soon as I landed off the plane, I went and trained right away. And then from there, I hit the sauna and then I slept real well and uh, just kept on following the regular routine of this of the, the country that I landed in. If I landed in it's dinner time, I'm having dinner with them. If I landed in it's breakfast time, I'm having their breakfast. So that's what I would say. Just get rid of the jet lag, and I wish him the best of luck. I'm the same way. Jet lag's never bothered me because I just adapt to the time. It's like, okay, it's nighttime, so I'm going to have dinner and go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> I, it's, I travel every other week, so it's, it's, I have the little strategies, but you do have to keep it up. Like sometimes I'll get off the plane and usually land there in the morning, and the first thing you want to do is take a nap. And then if you take a nap in that morning, you ain't sleeping at night, so it's like you have to force yourself to stay up sometimes, which got, is hard. I went to the Middle East with my wife. I went to Israel. And um, this was before we had kids. And uh, she was jet-lagged until the day we left. Like, for, like, 10 days, she was jet-lagged. I couldn't believe it. Like, she had such a horrible time because yeah. she was, like, just on the, just on the wrong time schedule the whole time. I think some people are better. Yeah. Like, when I fought in Japan, I, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm, I get to go fight in Japan. I had cramps in the back of my knees from sitting on the plane that wouldn't leave. I'm lucky that after my weight cut, I guess, sucking out all the water, the cramping left behind my knees. But I was so nervous. With all these like balls of like knots in the back of my legs, I was like, "This is great," but I'd rather fight closer to home. I'm yeah. Like, I mean, less stress, less variables. Like, 
fighting to f- travel is great, but fighting nothing beats fighting at home. But with that, I want to go back to Joanna from last week. So uh, about two weeks prior to that fight, she told the UFC that she might have trouble making weight. Something happened. She, yeah. she still hasn't elaborated on it, but something happened that uh, where she gained weight like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was really worried about not making weight. Like, how much do, do things have to run like clockwork when you're a fighter leading up to a fight? Like, how much can one little thing kind of set you Huge. off? Because I think the last week or two, even in your camp, it's a lot of it is psychological. So when you get up in the morning and you're nervous about your weight and you step on the scale and you're like, oh, man, like it's like nerve. It's nerve wracking every morning checking your weight to see where you are because you know how difficult it's going to be. So when you see that number go up in the morning, your mind starts playing with you. But I mean, she's had problems in the past. So I think she was just extra nervous. It's on her mind. I think that's what it was. I think it was just like she's had a hellacious weight cut before, like before the first rose fight. She was with perfecting athletes, and something went wrong, and she barely made it on time to even weigh in, and barely made weight, and apparently yeah. it was just hell. Yeah, she's and, always and, struggling, and that with can it. always be in your head, though. Absolutely, but it it sucks. Didn't she get a, a boob job or something like that? Um, yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Does that not make a difference <laughs> in weight? I think it's probably a couple of grams. Apparently, it doesn't weigh much. Oh, it doesn't weigh much. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were lots of people on Twitter researching this for me so that I didn't <laughs> yeah. have to. But I think the other thing is people are too, responding. Hey, that's <laughs> that's not true. When you weigh them, it's yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't want to get into that. But uh, the other issues <laughs> too. It's uh, menstrual cycles for women. Hundred percent. Like, I mean, if it's mm. that time of the weight cut and you get your menstrual cycle, you tend to hold water more. You become more bloated. So that becomes you know a factor as well for women. And with Mackenzie Dern, she was nursing, and you you lose yeah. seven hundred extra calories a day from nursing, and for she had the easiest weight cut of her life. She yeah. said that it just came right off, like it's it's easier. But yeah, like with with Joanna, I think that uh, she she had her weight under control for some time. Like I remember um, being with her before her fight with uh, I think it was with Tisha Torres. Um, I was uh, I had, I asked her if she wanted to do a segment with me. It was like the day before weigh-ins, and she was like, "Yeah, no problem." She's like, "I'm walking." She's like, "I'm 117 right now." She's like, "It's nothing for me." She had she had it all completely under control. Yeah, and I guess going up to 125 to fight Shevchenko kind of derailed that train a little bit, hmm. yeah. which can happen. I mean, weight cutting in a professional manner should happen eight to ten weeks out. Hmm. That's what you need. Slowly bring your weight down one one pound at a time. You know, that's why there's, but there's, at that level, you should have someone almost all year round with you, you yeah. know, checking your weight, keeping you honest, you know, making sure your weight cuts at a certain point. I think now we're at a point where if you don't know, you should be paying the proper resources to get it done properly because that's your performance. That's your money. That's your bonus. If you're going in there and you can't perform because you're cutting too much weight, what's the point? So this weekend, Chris Weidman versus Dominic Reyes. Yeah, so I'm excited for that one. If Weidman loses, you, he'll never become a champion again. Do you agree or disagree? I agree with you. What about you? I agree. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, he's had a, a rough go, and it seems like all the middleweights are migrating over to 205, the guys that are older, except for, I guess, Yoel Romero. But Jacare, uh, Rockhold, and Weidman all moving to 205. Dominic Reyes is a tough guy. This is going to be a tough one for him. Yeah, I think it's just going to be new for Weidman. This is a big, dangerous fight for him. I mean, Dominic Reyes, and I think his striking is you know, one of the best outside of John Jones in the division. So I think it's going to be tough. I think Weidman's in for a tough one. But if he can't do it, I think he's in that age generation now where it's like it's almost a last run for him. So if he can't get past a, a young Reyes, 11-0, and 0, I mean, you're right. Like, where does he go yeah, from there? One of the last kind of good, great undefeated fighters right yeah. now in the UFC. But again, if he gets rewarded with a win... He gets one big money fight with John Jones, yeah, and then exactly. you can end off happy, you know, with your big shot there. So this, I think, there's a lot to lose, 
But there's so much more to gain for him. If that's that a good way of sense. looking at it. Yeah. Is that what it is? The winner gets John Jones? Possibly. That's, yeah. There's speculation. I, I, you know, in two weeks we've got Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson. So yeah. unless someone makes a statement, yeah. Johnny um, Walker is that now? That's a, a that's real a fun prospect. Man. That's yeah. a fine. That guy was on on Brave Combat Federation before he joined the UFC. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just just to say, like Johnny Walker, I love that guy's style. He's super exciting. You know, like to me, that is a guy that I want to see John Jones fight. But between Weidman and um, who's he fighting? Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes. Look, Dominic Reyes has really good boxing, but nothing so special in that division. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think if Weidman were to stick to his old school game plans, which is take people down, man, just you know, ground and pound them, look for a submission, just stay on top, don't worry about being on the bottom. That type of game plan, I think he can easily win this fight against Reyes because Reyes' wrestling is honestly not the greatest. Yeah. You know? Compared to he, wrestled, he wrestled in, in college, but not to, but to the not level, not to the level of Weidman. Yeah. You yeah. know? He just, Weidman needs to close the gap. And that's why a lot of times you don't see just like uh, uh, fighters in the UFC really understand how to close the gap. They kind of take these really extended shots and they put themselves off balance or off, off position. And then they get clipped like, you know, how Anderson Silva clipped Forrest Griffin, right. for example. Yeah. Right, so th- th- that in itself is a is an art in itself, and and unless you're doing boxing and you're doing kickboxing, it's very hard to understand these these two distances mm-hmm. coming as a grappler. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, why don't we ask the man himself? Chris Weidman is uh, in the main event of uh, UFC Fight Night in Boston tomorrow night. He's facing Dominic Reyes, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by the newest addition to the light heavyweight division. It's Chris Weidman, who makes his light heavyweight debut in the UFC this weekend against, actually this Friday. Let's, let's make sure we get that correct against uh, Dominic yeah. Reyes in the main event. Uh, yeah, Friday. I mean, hopefully people remember this. This is important. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm forgetting. I constantly, I'm just drawing parallels between when I'm fighting on, when I'm used to fighting on Saturdays and, and the differences is when I'm fighting on Fridays as far as like, you know, the weight cut and, uh, you know, media uh, obligations. So it's been a, it's been a, uh, a mind effort a little bit. Well, at least you're not in Canada. We had Thanksgiving on Monday. So now we have like a shortened week and a Friday card. It's really messing with me as well. Yeah, that would have sucked if I had Thanksgiving on Monday. Because not that I'm cutting that much weight, but I wouldn't be able to really indulge into it the way I want to. And at light heavyweight, maybe. May on a Monday. Well, I guess if the card was Saturday, it would probably be a bit easier. But yeah, on a, on a Friday, yeah, that's iffy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I started eating healthy basically this week, so I, I, I don't know. I thought it was, if it was like last Friday, I would have crushed it. So you're part of a little bit of a, a group that's had a, a mass exodus out of uh, the middleweight division. Yourself, Jacare, uh, Luke Rockhold, um, all of you guys have moved up. Why do you think this trend has happened? Um, because I think a lot of the guys um, are, you know, it's either they accomplish their goals at middleweight, they had injuries, um, the weight cuts became too much, you know, we're getting older. Um and uh, 205, you know, is that kind of got cleaned out by John Jones. So everybody thinks he wants a shot. Yeah, it's another part of that, just, I guess, the seizing the opportunity. If you look at jo- Jones's last opponents, they've both been former middleweights as well. And it looks like the division's a bit diluted. So getting a title shot is a little bit easier than going to middleweight, or staying in middleweight, rather, and uh, where everybody seems to be, have been beating each other over the years. Yeah, um... I mean, look, I'm going up right now, and uh, pretty much the guys in the top five, um, other than the guy I'm fighting, have always fought John Jones and, and Moss. 
So me coming up and feeding a kid that's undefeated, uh, the, the pretty much the next contender is a huge statement and a huge opportunity for me. And do you feel like a top contender, you know, this is a number one contender fight, the winner of this fight's next to fight Jones? Um, you know, it definitely could be, you know, I don't think, um, I don't think it, I mean, it, it kind of does make sense. I go out there and, and go out, I go out there and dominate a guy who's undefeated and ranked fourth in the, in the world in the way. And the other guys ahead of him over his fourth, John Jones and Moss. And I'm a multiple time world champion in the weight class below, uh, with attributes on paper that you could be like, wow, this should be, could be an interesting matchup with John Jones. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense. Is this a good first fight for you? I mean, the middleweight division, obviously, because it's smaller, has a lot more athleticism than light heavyweight, but Reyes is one of the most athletic guys in the division. Do you think that you'll be used to that kind of speed already? Yeah, I'm not really, you know, he's definitely he's definitely got some pretty good footwork, and he's got a quick left hand, but I've gone against very athletic guys and um, some really quick guys and that are definitely quicker than him. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, he's long and taller than anybody I've ever fought. So um, I'm excited about that challenge and getting on the inside and looking for, you know, big punches and, you know, my kicks and takedowns. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to test myself. I want to play a bit of a hypothetical game here. Obviously, you're moving up to light heavyweight because you had mentioned that the cut at middleweight had started to get harder and harder as you get older. The California State Athletic Commission is going to start canceling fights. If fighters weigh too much on fight day, I think if they're more than 15% above what the contracted weight is, um, would you have been able to fight in California if you were still a middleweight? I don't know. you got to work the numbers for me. I'm not good at math. 15% of 185, what is that? So, uh, yeah, let's, let's uh, carry the nine. So that's 27 pounds more. So you would have had to be like under 212, I believe. For a fight week? No, on, on the day of the fight. Oh, day of the fight. Yeah, I would have been good. Oh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's not that bad. I mean, she's, I, I, like, I would, I would be, I, I could probably get up on some of my fights that I took on short notice. My weight could jump up to like 215. But by the time fight came around, my body would adjust. I'd be like 207, 208. Um, but most of the time, I was fighting around like 204 to 206 in all my fights. Um, the only fight I fought, way less than that it was the first time we didn't do an IV. I don't feel like I, I, I rehydrated right was uh, the Luke Rockwell fight. I weighed like 197. I couldn't get my weight back up. But, um, uh, yeah, I I think that's not – that's a, definitely a reasonable thing. I mean, I think that's crazy if I was jumping back up past 212. Uh, I would love to know Yo Romero was walking around that for those fights. Guy blow, he blows up. Well, the, I can find out his weight for you while uh, while you answer this next question because he fought in California last but you know, time. But you know what? They, they I don't know because they, they were checking my weight for my last couple of fights too the day of the fight. And it's when you walk into the arena, you know, you got your gear on. They're like, just step on the scale. I literally stepped on with my sneakers on, my, you know, my, oh, my, my warm-ups. I just jumped on. It wasn't like, all right, strip down and let's see your weight. Uh, so I don't know how serious they're taking that. So Costa was... And I don't know how accurate the numbers Costa was 213.8 on fight night, and Romero was 207. So Romero was, was well below the 15%. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, Costas is right there with them as far as being a fucking huge. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, wonder, yeah, so I, I wonder if they made him strip down, strip, down, strip down and stuff. Um, that's crazy. 
Had you fought in California when they've started to implement this? No. No. I fought in California, um, but not like before they implemented this. You, you mentioned IVs before. What do you think of them getting rid of IV rehydration? I feel like if you have people on site, I mean, they have people from the PI that are down there, and they have people from the commission that could administer the IVs for the fighters. Do you think that they should find a way to bring that back? You know, one of the reasons that it's uh, was removed from you know being used in the UFC is because of cycling, like a, like bicycling, yeah, where IVs yeah. had been used to uh, to cheat drug tests. Whereas I think when you're talking about combat sports, you know, rehydration is paramount to being healthy on fight night. Yeah, I I, I think the IVs should definitely be legal. I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't be for, for fighting. I mean, we could be randomly drug tested, so we should we could begin randomly. We could be getting drug tested right before, you know, we're taking the IVs as well. So it's not like just flushing out these drugs, you know, just to get ready for a drug test. Um, so, and, and you're doing it for the hydration of your brain and your body. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if guys are going to cut weight, um, then, you know, and, and guys are obviously, a lot of them are cutting a lot of weight. I think it's just healthier to have an IV ready to go. It seems like an easy um, fix. Or, you, you do them in competition. You weigh in. You get you get tested. Then you do the IV, and then there you go. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I don't know if there's an issue with that. I guess there's. I guess if guys are doing IVs every single day to flush out their drugs, like I guess what some of the cyclists might have been doing. I don't know. So that's maybe why they ban it altogether, and then you got to worry about fighters now doing that. But I guess if fighters were doing that, they'd probably be doing that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not like you could test for an IV. So, uh, I I, I kind of like what the what California is doing. I kind of like what one championship is doing, um, where you basically basically just kind of you can't cut weight. Um, I mean, I just think it's healthier for everybody. I mean, now I'm talking. I wouldn't have said this when I was an 85 pounder. I would have been pissed if someone <laughs> was saying this. But now that I'm 205, I'm like, yeah, no one should cut weight. What do you think you'll weigh on Saturday? I'll probably be like, honestly, I don't know for sure. I don't know what my body's going to jump right back up to. But I'm thinking around like 217, 218, something like that. Um, but it could be it could be way less. And either, like, whatever, I'm going to say that's going to be the max I'll be. Um, whatever it is, it is. Like, I just want to be healthy and whatever my natural weight jumps to. Um that's that's where I want to be. I'm not like when I was at when I was at middleweight, I was a fanatic about getting my weight to where I wanted it. I always wanted to be above like at least 204. And if I wasn't like when I fought Luke and I saw my weight like 197, and I, I was I was like freaking out. I, that was a mental that was a mental you know effort. And um, I didn't yeah. So now I don't really care. This is it's like whatever. I, I've trained healthy and good anywhere from you know, 207 to 220, you know, so I'm good in anywhere in there. All right, my final question for you. From what you've seen lately from John Jones, do you still consider him to be the best in the sport right now? I mean, what he's accomplished, yes, but I think the, I think the steroid thing, uh, failing drug tests, definitely puts an asterisk on everything, you know, um, in my mind, you know, and I haven't, just as like a, almost like a casual I'm look, I haven't really dove into like the research really. Like I, I kind of always like looked away when he's filming these things. I didn't like dive into it and like focus on it. So I don't, I'm not 
100% sure on everything that went down. Probably after this fight, I'll look into it more. What the hell did he do and, and why? And like, you know, and the picogram stuff and all that. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely educate myself more on it. But either way, like, to me, just as like looking here and there on the headlines, like, and, and diving a little bit on some articles, like, I just think it's definitely a little bit of an asterisk now. I'm going to say the same thing with Anderson Silva. I think once you start failing drug tests, like, you, your whole career is questioned. Um, so, but if you take that away, then obviously he's still one of the greatest of all time. He hasn't looked great. He hasn't looked, he hasn't looked amazing in the last two fights, but he's still got his hand raised. All right, Chris, well, it's a pleasure speaking with you. It's the main event on Friday. Mark your calendars this Friday. Yourself versus Dominic Reyes, a guy from L.A. and a guy from New York in Boston. It seems weird, but we'll let it, we'll let it slide. Uh, <laughs> best of luck to you. We appreciate your time. All right, thank you. That was Chris Weidman. It's everybody's favorite time of the show, Joe, where we make picks. We actually yeah. both hit our picks last Finally. time. Yeah, yeah I'm still you had, doing well, though. You had Israel Adesanya. I had Brad Riddell parlayed with um, Jake Matthews, and yeah. you're still killing me. So, yeah, I think you, I think you're probably up like 80 bucks on the year. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Not bad at and all. we've got a special guest picker in uh, Tariq Ismail. That's Ooh. it. Drum roll, please. You got your pick? I do. Oh. All right. Who's going first? Let's go Tariq first. Sure. Well, let the guests go first. Okay, thank you guys. So kind. <laughs> uh, who are we going with first? What's the matchup? Oh, we're just going to pick you one. Gotta you got to pick one. your best one. Best bet. So if people are betting, they're going to pick. All right, this is per, uh, Tariq's pick. Okay, you know what? I'm going with the Jeremy Stevens Yair Rodriguez fight, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with Jeremy Stevens. All right, Jeremy Stevens. I That's like who you that. picked the last time, right? That's who I picked. Because yeah. actually, you know who influenced me to make that pick was uh, Tariq's wrestling coach, was uh, Ainsley Robinson. Ooh. We both talked about it, so he was kind of like. That's their pick. So that gave me the confidence to pick that. So I actually think it's it favors him more now that it's a three round fight too. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Stevens will ha- be able to move forward, throw more. Yeah. I thought in the five round fight is tougher. Oh, oh yeah. He said on the scale he goes, I'm gonna kill your boy. <laughs> on the scale today he's all sunken in. I was uh, like, Oh geez. Um all right. Joe? Yeah, I like that pick too. But uh I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna go with uh, Kyle Bonchniak. I mean, I think he's tough. He's good. He's already fought some big names. From Boston as well. Yeah, he just doesn't seem like uh, he's intimidated much for the bigger fights. He's had some huge names on his record already. Uh, the kid's good, talent, and confident. So I'm going to go with him. And just for fun, because I know he's going to win maybe to beef up my parlay, I'm going Greg Hardy. You just add Greg Hardy? Just okay. adding Greg Hardy just to make it fun. All right. Well, I'm going to go with a, a chalky parlay also. I'm going to take Molly McCann, who's minus 570. Okay. And uh, parlay, her, parlay her with Dominic Reyes. It's about minus 113. All right. So there we go. I'm going Chris Weidman just for the record. Okay. You like Weidman? You like Weidman, I eh? do. I do, yes. I don't know. It's tough. I just haven't seen enough out of Weidman in recent years that would lead me to believe yeah. he can win that fight. It's always that recency that gets me. And I mean, like I said, Dominic Reyes, like, I, I mean, like Tariq said, I'm interested to see how he's going to deal with the wrestling part of the game. Yeah. Because he's so good at keeping range, staying long, using his kicks. I but mean, the wrestling also comes with a lot of risk against Dominic Reyes. It is risky. Yeah, because it is if you risky. go to take him down, yeah. He's he, long. Yeah. He's yeah. going to hit you on the ear from the, you know, from the sides and the top, and that could put your lights out. But uh, if Chris is smart, then he goes super low on the singles and then works his chain wrestling from there, and you know, just he could possibly get him down. When Chris beat Anderson Silva, I, I thought to myself, like, this guy's going to be the best in the world for like 10 yeah. years. Yeah. And just injuries. Injury after injury just derailed him. And who, too was, bad. who was Dominic Reyes' last fight? Because I remember it was controversial. It was, it was Demir, and a lot of people thought he lost. Yeah, a lot of people thought he lost that fight. So, But I think that's what, what impacts this line. Like, I think that... Had he beaten Uzdemir more clearly, this would be minus 300 maybe. Yeah, you know, especially for Weidman's first time moving up. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, we saw, I mean, you got to be a little intimidated. We saw what happened to Rockhold when he moved up. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So it, it's scary. I mean, it's different size, different power, different length. And I think even for me as a, a welterweight, when I look at middleweights, it's the height. I mean, when you see these guys, they're huge. They're taller, so it's, it's intimidating. I don't think Weidman's a really tall guy. He's about 6'2". Uh, he is pretty tall. Uh, he's not bad. What do you think Reyes is? Reyes is like 6'3". Yeah, There's not going to be a little... major height discrepancy. Okay. But in the reach, it seems like... But he's got know, a bigger reach. Yeah, Reyes, Reyes seems long reach. to yeah. me. He seems super long to me. Reyes was a safety in college. Like, safeties are usually like 5'11". Like he, that's the kind mm. of athleticism he has for a yeah. guy who's 6'3". He was playing safety. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Big boy. Yep. And speaking of uh, Dominic Reyes, he now joins us on the TSN MMA show. All right, I'm joined now by Dominic Reyes in the main event this Friday. Mark your calendars, Friday, against Chris Weidman. Uh, very odd to see a, a Lakers fan and a New York guy main eventing in Boston. Pretty weird. <laughs> Just the way it worked out, man. <laughs> Are you going to like have some disdain running through your body when you think back to the Lakers and Celtics rivalry of, uh, I guess, your childhood? <laughs> no, not at all, man. Um, it's actually... Uh... Exciting, you know, because there's a lot of you know amazing athletes that fought that that played in the garden in the TD Garden, you know, and you know on both sides. So there's a lot of history in there, and it's exciting to be you know add my name to the history books of the Garden. I've always thought that when they go to different you know venues like this iconic venues, they should take the octagon and make it have like a parquet like a parquet type design. Like obviously don't put wood in there, but you know just to kind of customize it to the uh, the Uh, venue. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I agree with that. So maybe Chris, we, we could pitch that to uh, the brass after this. I like that idea, yeah. And maybe they'll give us a cut of whatever money they would make off of that, which is probably not much, but it, it still would be a good look for the yeah. broadcast. Yeah, like if they made it look like wood, like the wood floor. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, that's what the, the garden's known for. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So Chris Weidman moving up a weight class. Uh, a solid opponent for him, you know, to have you there as a top five guy. Um, why did you accept this fight? Is it just the name value of someone like Chris? Yeah, it's the name, Chris Weidman. Who doesn't know Chris Weidman? Um, I, I've uh, beaten a lot of very good fighters, and uh, they don't bring as much to the table in terms of name value. Um, so Chris is that big win for me that um, I'm hoping will put me over the top. How much do you think athleticism comes into play? You know, everybody talks about how well-rounded Chris is, but the word athleticism doesn't come up quite as much with him, especially as it does with you. Do you think that's going to be a determining factor of this fight? I think that's going to be a big factor. I think uh, I have a big speed advantage on him. Um, I think um, bigger and stronger. Um, he He's a good wrestler, um, but a lot of that's nullified by my size. Um, I don't... Yeah, I think athleticism is going to play a big part of it. Youth and athleticism. Um, he's 35, and I'm just entering my prime. Do you feel like people are starting to sleep on you? I put out a poll, like I think probably a month or two ago, saying you know who's the prospect to watch at light heavyweight, and it was yourself, Rakic, Johnny Walker, and I think there was another name there, and I think you finished like close to last, either last or second last. But just a year <laughs> ago, people were talking about how good of a prospect you are. You haven't lost since then, so what's changed? Um, I think my war with Vulcan, you know, like they were expecting me to like dispatch. Every, I dispatched everyone with relative ease, you know, and then I come against Vulcan and I, I it's not a super easy fight. They're like, oh, no, he's not what we thought he is. So it's it's whatever, dude. Like the Internet is very finicky. Um, we live in a what have you, you done for me lately world. Um, and then there's a lot of people that just don't know who I am or what I'm about, really. And they just. 
you know, the Johnny Walker don't end the worm gets replayed over and over and people are like, Oh, that's the guy. Look at him. He's 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 big and he's he could dance. Like it's it's just uh I think it's just the way um the internet is these days and how quick quick people are to you know, try to find the next best thing. You mentioned also recency bias. You know, people forget certain fights. And if you look at your record, it says you have a decision win over OSP. But that was a knockout. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was – I call that one a tech pin because I beat him by points and I finished him. Yeah. You know, Alex Davis, one of the managers, is um, appealing a win that his client Diego Lima had because he felt that one of the judges giving the fight to Jumo just showed a complete lack of wherewithal for what they're doing. Did you ever consider appealing your decision win over uh, OSP to try to overturn it to a, a KO? Nah, man. It is what it is. Like, I, I won the fight. That's really all that matters, you know? I've got a pretty bad fear of heights, and I, from what I understand, you do too, but you went bungee jumping. Yeah. Would you recommend I do this? You know, at the CN Tower here in Toronto, they have something called the, the Skywalk, I think, where you walk outside of the CN Tower. Now, I'm petrified of heights, but is this something that has helped you? Um, I, yeah, I would definitely recommend bungee jumping. I mean, that's literally the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. And uh, after I did it, I was like, wow, like, like, I've had recurring nightmares of that moment, like standing on a little platform and then slipping off and falling to my desk, like <laughs> since I was a kid. And uh, like actually doing it and facing that fear was huge, man. Like I felt after that, like I was like, oh man, like I feel like like free, really. <laughs> it really felt like I was free. Um, I'm still a little bit scared of heights, but not nearly as much. Yeah, I was going to ask, is there any, anywhere where you've had particular fears of heights? Like, is, if you're in, like, an enclosed area, are you okay? That's, that's my deal, is I can't be out yeah, in the I'm, open. I'm fine. Yeah, it's when you're, like, you're on that, like, I could just take one wrong move, one wrong movement, it's over, you know, I'm falling. Like, that's what I'm scared of. It's not, like, in an enclosure or in a plane or anything like that. It's, like, on a ledge or out in the open on a little freaking thing. Like even bridges that shake them, you know. I'd prefer not to be on one. Yeah. Well, definitely a shaky bridge is definitely probably, you probably don't want to be on that anyway. So uh, another scary thing for most people would be training with Dan Henderson. That's something that you've been doing for this camp. Um, what's that been oh, like? Yeah. What have you learned from, uh, from Dan? I've learned a great deal from Dan, you know, from, about, res- uh, about wrestling, about pace, about the championship mindset. Um, it's it's been really good. And then you know how to avoid the H bomb. That's that's also a great lesson to learn. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I imagine Dan still has that power. I mean, he knocked down Bisping, and he was he like 40, 48 at the time, forty seven. Oh, we still spar. Dan still gets in there with me. He'll give me one round and be done. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a legend, man. Dan's Dan's a man. Dan the man, dude, for real. He's he's everything. All the legend. All the legends are true. You know, they often say that when you are the champion, everybody's looking at you. Everybody's trying to figure out ways to beat you. I imagine that at 205, you've been visualizing fighting John Jones um, for years. Uh, how do you visualize that in your head? Like, does the fight always go the same way? Are there certain things that you visualize him doing that you, you feel like you could do better than him? Like, do, do you feel like you have the, the, the crack to the code? I, I, haven't, I haven't thought about fighting John in, in a minute. <laughs> um but when I when I used to think about that, um, yeah, I definitely feel like I have the code. I mean, 
it, he's been champ since I before I started fighting in May. Um, so, I mean, I got into this because I was training. Everything I was doing was to beat John, not to beat uh, random guys I was fighting in the, in the regional scene. It was always, yeah, but will that work against John? You know, so it's kind of been hardwired into me. Nowadays, I'm not really thinking about it because I got, you know, serious challenges in front of me. But uh, when that time comes, you know, then then I'll have more answers for you. Now, I'm not talking about his all-time status. I think that that's pretty inarguable in terms of him being whatever top three all-time. But right now in the sport, do you think that John Jones is the best fighter in the UFC right now today? Um, he's number one pound for pound. Him and uh, Cejudo, right? So, yeah. Um, you've you've uh, started to get some really good endorsements. You're you're working with uh, Toyo Tires now and uh, and Modelo. Uh, how how does that feel? I mean, not a lot of uh, fighters get big ticket sponsorships like that. It feels awesome. I mean, they've recognized you know my work ethic and and recognized me as as a person. You know, it's not just about it's not always just about your your fighting and winning losses, which I do have. But it's also about, you know, you as a human being, like, what do you represent? You know, are you a good person? Brands want to get behind, like, good people, not, you know, people that are out there doing the wrong things and being bad influences and things like this. So I think they've recognized me. It's really good to be recognized, you know, for the person I am. Absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure watching your development, and we can to, uh, to watch that growth uh, this Friday night yourself versus Chris Weidman at the uh, legendary TD Garden. You'll be thinking about the Lakers yeah. at the time, but we know that uh, you know they'll be in your heart, but you will have to, to do the deed in Boston uh, against Chris Weidman. I can't wait, man. That was Dominic Reyes, and a big fight announced for Canadian prospect Charles Jordan, 23 years old, gets the call to fight Duho Choi in South Korea. Duho's got about a two-year layoff, and uh, this is going to be an awesome fight. Two stand-up fighters, uh, both pretty young in their careers, uh, very excited to see this opportunity for Charles Jordan. I thought he got a bit of a raw deal fighting at 155 against Des Green in his debut. It was very outsized, probably closer to a bantamweight than a lightweight. But uh, he joins us now on the TSN MMA show to discuss this big opportunity. I'm now joined by one of the top Canadian prospects in the world today. It's uh, Charles Jordan, who has a huge fight that was just announced uh, late last night, I guess early in the morning in in Korea. Uh, Yourself versus the Korean Superboy, Duho Choi. Uh, That must be a really exciting one for you. Absolutely, because my my, my UFC debut was against uh, uh, Justin Green, which is uh, a Division I wrestler, and I knew uh, uh, that would be a fun, but it's Super exciting to know that uh, I won't have to worry that much about takedowns. Of course, it's an MMA fight. You have to be worried about it. But, uh, you know, all these fights are knockouts and fight of the night. And it's super, super exciting for me, too, to fight the, 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 this man. Yeah, I, I figured this this is the kind of fight you're looking for. It's not at 155. Yeah, it's at 145. And, you know, yeah. I mean, we know what your strengths are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love I love to stand and bang and uh, put on exciting fights. That what made my name. That's why I joined the UFC only two weeks uh, two weeks sorry two years after my, my my professional debut. I'm always exciting. I'm always putting on a show and uh, and it, it takes uh, most of the time it takes two people to do a crazy fight like Kevin Gastelum against Tyler Bender. Yeah, you needed two 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 warriors. So uh, having that in front of me did. did Two fireworks! It's gonna be it's gonna be insane. I'm super glad that I'm gonna fight uh, this guy. 
And this is your first fight overseas. Is that exciting for you? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I fought like three times, no, three times in Thailand, but it was only Muay Thai fights. So it's my first uh, MMA fight uh, overseas. Are you excited to go to Korea? What do you, what do you know about uh, Busan, South Korea? Uh, I don't know that much uh, about the place. I went to South Korea once, and, but it was because uh, I was going to, to uh, Thailand. And it was only like a, a stop, like eight or seven hours. So we stayed in there, but uh, we didn't uh, uh, have enough time to enjoy the place. But uh, um, it's crazy. I'm receiving a message from uh, actually people from uh, Korea uh, telling me, hey, you need to visit this place, you need to do this. Uh, Busan is amazing. And then I'm super stoked to, to, to uh, uh, travel and uh, do what I love the most, which is fighting. So I'll be honest with you. I had heard that you were going to be on this event. I reached out to you a while back and said, who are you fighting? And you wouldn't tell me, but you were, I could tell you were very excited about the opponent. How long have yeah. you known about this fight? Oh, man, uh, since, uh, since I, uh, the, the summer, like uh, September? Uh, no, prior to that, August. Uh, I, knew, I knew about it in August. So I was super excited to tell everybody. But uh, with, actually, when my manager called me, Stefan, and said, uh, Okay, you want an exciting fight? I talked to Sean Shelby and he said, Do you want to fight the Korean Super Bowl? I'm like, No way they're giving me this fight. I, I, I didn't know why. I'm like, Really? You're giving me this fight this much attention after a loss? And then I think he said, Yeah, because, you know, my fight, uh, my fight in Rochester was against uh, Desmond Green, which uh, was the popular guy from there, and, I, and nobody wanted to fight him. So they, they, in my head, they don't, meet, they don't owe me anything because I lost. But it was like their their way of thanking me, saying, "Okay, you're gonna have a next a big next fight." So I'm super happy uh, about it. Now here's the question I have for you from this past weekend. I don't know if you follow the Korean Superboy on Instagram. He called out Cub Swanson after his last yeah. fight and said, "Let's oh, do it December in December." So <laughs> what's that say about where his mind's at? Oh, man, probably he's just watching me. He's uh, not respecting me but it's okay i understand it because i'm i'm the new guy and i'm not that interesting of a fight for him but you know he's gonna do it because for him i'm probably an easy fight and uh, it's and then after that he's gonna fight cub or whatever but uh when i saw that i'm like dude the fight is not being announced and now he's gonna knock cub swanson so i called stefan and stefan called the Sean and all the guys and said, no, 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 it was a mistake from him. Uh, I think his manager told him to do so or like to, to pump something up. But, uh, you know, Cub after his big fight against... Uh, uh, um, Gracie. The Rio kid. Yeah, Gracie. Uh, I, I knew inside of me that there's no way he's going to fight in like two months and a half after a fight like this. Uh, so I, w- I was confident I had the fight, but there was something inside of me that said, no, just, just, just call Stefan, just to know. <laughs> so he's just uh, done his military service. I think he might even still be doing his military service yeah, in South Korea. Yeah, he's still doing it because he can't. Uh, he, he's not allowed to leave Korea, so he's still doing it. And now he's gonna. But have you seen some pictures of him? I saw some pictures of him. Uh, some people uh, send some random people send me pictures and said, yeah, "Look at him, fat he is." And then and I saw a couple pictures of him. I'm like, dude, he doesn't look in shape. I don't know if they're old pictures or whatever, but he looked like. 170-ish and with big cheeks and a, a big belly. I'm like, what's going on there? And then I saw him calling out Cub Swanson. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They're not, they're not, they're not, uh, they, they, they did not announce the fight. Now he's calling out Cub Swanson. Some people are sending me fat pictures of him. I'm like, 
what is going on. And then yesterday I saw the whole, the, everything exploded about the news. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's official now. Well, that's, uh, that's good to hear, obviously. That must have worried you a little bit when you saw him calling out. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But there was another guy, the, the guy you told me about, the other choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Which is O2 right now in the featherweight. So I said, okay, that, if that makes sense, uh, I'm still fighting Korea against someone less popular and uh, has a 2-0, uh, uh, 0-2 record right now. So it makes sense. Uh, I don't mind. And then Stefan said, no, no, don't worry. And he sent me the email uh Sean Shelby send him. It's no, it's uh, the Korean Superboy. Don't worry about it. It's the fight we're making. Well, that's fantastic. Um, with him, he's had a two-year layoff from from fighting. Uh, do yeah. you believe in cage rust? Do you think that will help you? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I won't put too much trust in it because uh, you know his military service was probably super hard, and uh, uh, taking a break sometime uh, can change someone for the better or the worse. So I don't know, and I, I don't want to to. Think about it and say, oh, it's a two-year long. It's going to be rusty. It's going to be this, and it's going to be that. And then, and then uh, I'm going to face the best version of him uh, in the cage. So uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to put too much trust in, in it. Um, I'm ready to face the best Korean Superboy, uh, the one I saw against Cub, the one I saw against Jeremy Stephens. Even though he lost those two fights, there's not many people that cracked Jeremy Stephens, and he managed to do so. So. He's super dangerous, and um, I have to be very careful and not uh, not uh, expect uh, an easy one. When you look at the pictures of him, he looks just like a regular guy that you would see at like the supermarket. And then you watch his oh, fights. He, yeah, he looks less than a regular guy. I see him to my friends, and people are all saying the same. He looks like a king. Doesn't seem that dangerous. I'm like, okay, yeah, watch his eye like right now. And then I show them my eyes of him. Like, dude, this kid's a badass. And I'm like, yeah, he's a badass. <laughs> And, he, and people are asking me, "What is he? Nineteen? No, he's twenty-seven. Then he's uh, like four years, uh, four years older than me. So he's not, he's not that young. So people are laughing at it. But you know, even people are making memes like uh, with the, the his face, and they say, "This girl, uh, this guy slept your girlfriend's butt. What do you do?" <laughs> and he seems so nice, but you know, inside of him, he's a super killer. So it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, it'll be tough when you're face to face with them at the weigh-ins. Not to you know, you have to remember that that's Duho Choi, not the guy yeah. in front of you. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna push him around and try to John Jones him. Uh, I'm gonna be nice. <laughs> with uh, with your brother Louis, he was supposed to fight uh, last week, and uh, the event got postponed. Is he still yeah. gonna be fighting Jesse Arnett? Of course, of course, uh, just postponed, and Jesse is still in uh, for this fight, and they, they they're probably gonna do it in December. So it's super cool that my fight is going to be uh, this close to Louis so we can still keep training uh, hard together and I'm going to help him for his fight and he's going to help me for mine. How old is Louis? I, I'm on his topology page. It doesn't say. Uh, 22. 22. He's, uh, one year and a half older than uh, younger than I am. So he could end up being another top prospect in the UFC. Is it, has anybody uh, spoken sure. to him about it? Uh, not yet because uh, he, he changed to boxing and he was not under TKO promotion anymore. And uh, now, now he's back in MMA because he's because when he he did his professional boxing, yes, he was doing a lot of money, but it, it was not his first love, and he wanted to get back. And actually, I win I win both titles in in Canada while Louis was still boxing, and then I went to the UFC and fight. And Louis said, "Okay, that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, uh, this is what I'm I'm uh, I'm not a boxer. I'm an MMA fighter. It was a good good. It was good for him to to transition." Because his hands now are super amazing, but uh, 
his first love is MMA, so he's back. And uh, uh, of course, uh, a win over Jesse Arnett. And then there's uh, Damien uh, Lapilus' brother, the, the other Lapilus, which is the champion right now. And they, 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 they've been throwing jabs at each other. And if Louis wins the 135 title, there's no way he's not uh, coming uh, with me in the UFC. You've, uh, you fought TJ Laramie, he fought Tony Laramie. It would be nice to see both Jordan brothers and both Laramie brothers in the UFC. Yeah, of course, of course. And both of them are, are pretty good. And, uh, but, you know, uh, I think right now Laramie doesn't want to fight with TKO anymore because uh, I, don't, I don't know why. But because, uh, man, he could run through anybody. But I think uh, not he's scared, but he doesn't want to face Alex Morgan again because Alex Morgan locked him out twice and I knocked uh, Alex Morgan out. So it's a, it's, a, it's a rough situation. He's fighting in Windsor, uh, Ontario, but I think he's, uh, he's facing guys with less experience than he would in uh, TK. Well, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of TJ. He's a super class act, super nice guy, and he, of course, he's going to be in the UFC. And Tony, Tony's a little warrior, also. <laughs> Well, it's great to see TKO coming back to prominence. You know, obviously TKO was yeah. a great feeder league for the UFC back in the day with GSP yeah. and Loiseau and all of them. So it's good. It's good yeah. that it's back in the mix. Yeah, of course. All right, Charles. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you against uh, the Korean Superboy uh, in just a couple months' time. And congratulations on getting such a big fight. This is a great thank platform you. for you. Thank you very much. That was Charles Jordan on the TSM MMA show. Uh, thank you guys for coming in. Thanks, hey, uh, Tariq. Awesome. I appreciate thank you it. for having me. When are you uh, on the road next? I leave again Tuesday. Where are you I'm heading? off to France this time. Okay. So off to Lyon, France for Glory 70. You want to come in Monday or is that packing day? Uh, that's packing day. Okay. We'll see. I've got Big John McCarthy coming in on Monday. At in Tees. studio? Yeah, in studio. Oh, I haven't seen Big John in a while. Yeah, he's coming in. So uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it work. It's usually my busy pack and get everything last minute. but uh, It's, well, you, it's too... Hard-hitting color commentators in the same That's room. It. Like that would be amazing. Yeah, it could be cool. Yeah, yeah it might be cool. So I'll keep it open. We'll talk. And All we'll right. Try to get some Let's time. Talk for sure. All right. Uh, thanks, Tariq. So your next fight, hopefully December in Saudi Arabia. December twenty-seventh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Brave, please put me on the card. I'm super excited. I want to give a shout out to my sponsors, Team Euphoric. Thank you so much for taking care of my body and my mind. I want to give a shout out to Bazooka Kickboxing, Coach Joseph Valtellini. Almaz Dozmatov and Ainsley Robinson, thank you guys for camp. And I'm looking forward to performing December 27th, Saudi Arabia. And a shout-out to Danny Rubenstein. And Daniel Rubenstein. Can't <laughs> forget the man behind the scenes, baby. I'm just trying to help you out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. And uh, until next time, boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.